Yeah, man, I love EBS. Have a great time. Uh, snap. ministry booster fans um thanks for being back from the episode it's summertime which means there's a lot probably going on in your world and you may be listening to this in a new rhythm of life either on a van ride to camp or in a late night expense reportathon. that's that's i listen to a lot of podcasts when i have to do the old expense reports every month like that's the uh that's the when do you, when do you listen to podcasts chat like what's the what's the rhythm for you i think there was a pre-covid rhythm and now we all have a new rhythm so like when yeah. are podcasts consumed by you so I I will often put things on like while I'm doing other tasks. Okay. Um, certain tasks are the same. And so it, it's got certain podcasts, certain tasks. So the the expense reports is not the place for me. Okay. <laughs> to, that requires your most attention. Well, because like I, that's why you don't get yours back. Like I. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, Sorry about that, Robin. It's literally because I'm like, okay, I don't want to mess this up or whatever. And so those are things that – and it's just not this natural thing for me. Like it's got to be tasks that like I can almost put on autopilot, right? Um, Resizing files. Okay. Like those Organizing file structures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know – cleaning up email, right, or whatever. But, like, there are also times in my day. So now that I work from the house. Oh, so you don't have the commute anymore. Correct. You used to burn through audiobooks on the commute. Bro, that was, like, three hours a day of burning through books. Literally. I had an, I had two-and-a-half-hour commutes every single day. Thank you, Brandon Sanderson, for writing long books. Oh, for real, <laughs> dude. I would fly through those. Um, and so I was consuming a ton of podcasts and audiobooks during that season. Um, now, though, one of the, the rhythms that I'm trying to get in is to, to spend some time outside every day. Okay. And so I've... A little I've, sunshine, a little vitamin D. Well, <laughs> m- correct. So my wife, who is a mental health therapist, was like, maybe you should open up these blinds so you don't get super sad. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorite TikTok trends is the like the angry little pop song of like taking a stupid walk for my stupid mental health or yeah. whatever. And it's people that are like stomping through. Like there was one person I saw that was like stomping through like a garbage dump because they were just like, draw, draw, draw. Yeah. it was just, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true though. Walking is good for your mental health. Just the sunlight, man. It's just the outdoorsy help. of it. Uh, so yeah, those are, those are some normal times that I like to do it. Um, honestly, it helps me not get sunburned as, as a okay. little porcelain, <laughs> porcelain doll, uh, it, it a allows little pre-bake a little preheat right, before right. you go on vacay. Okay. Yeah. Mo- most, uh, <laughs> most podcasts are a just base long. Tan. <laughs> you gotta get a base tan. Mm, okay. Huh. Yeah. So I don't need to listen to any marathon par- uh, podcast or okay. I will get burned. And so, uh, so a lot of the same on certain days because I feel like I have like a Monday listen and a Wednesday listen. Like I have some that I listen to on certain days because of when they get released or like what is kind of the just you're just getting caught up whenever you get a window to listen or yeah for the most part like um I, that I would say at this point now I I'm just not one of those guys on something like a podcast where I'm like oh 
A new yeah, one's out. This one gets released every Wednesday. Okay. And like ever know that. Okay. It just shows up. And I'm like, oh, oh wow. And you go, I know it's cool. a new one. <laughs> uh, like I couldn't tell you any reason. This rhythms. guy's still doing it. That's great. <laughs> exactly. Good for him. Look at you. Like <laughs> a, a podcast for me is a surprise element. Like I'm not looking for it. Okay. Um, it's like a happy notification. It's just yeah. there. It's okay. not. It's good. Uh, well, this episode was promised uh, from our last episode is kind of a part two of a three-part series. So if you haven't heard that one from the last episode into this one and then the forthcoming one that we'll put out next uh, about communication – and what does it mean to speak, preach, teach well? We got to spend some time uh, a few weeks ago with our friends in Nashville, spending a few days on the art of the act of preaching and the experience around it. And I had a lot of fun hanging out with some ministers from across the country in that way. And so we talked a lot about structuring body composition because there is an element of public speaking to preaching. You are presenting, teaching, proclaiming in front of a group of people. But this week is the thing that I think is one of the two distinctives that makes preaching different than just a, a speech you might give, or as we learned in high school, some of the oratorical practices of speech and debate, that one of the things about preaching that makes it unique is that there is a shared text that we all pull from. So, I mean, every great speechwriter will have a quote or an illustration or an extended metaphor, but to be a great sermon, it needs to both be quick to and begin with the text, the Bible scripture. Uh, you may have in your tradition some different ways in which you slice that up. If it's more of an expository sermon where you're working it over word by word, line by line, book by book, or you may have it pieced together through some lectionary practices, or there may be some topical things that get fit together because these scriptures speak to one another, connect in a way that we're trying to communicate a theme or an idea. But regardless of whether you're preaching topically or expositionally, to be quick to the text and really Rooted in the text are the two things that we want to name this week that make sermons unique and teachings really critical. Okay, so quick to the text, if we're going to talk like public speaking, right? Like just evaluating it on the public speaking side. So one of the things that I've always learned on the public speaking side is the beginning of your talk uh, those first few moments are really crucial yeah. to gain interest and credibility. So the as far as our conversation here, to push back, as for us to talk yeah. about, if you just immediately open by reading Lamentations, yeah. like if that's your teaching text for the day— does that grab a student's attention? And so, like when we say quick to the text, like what are we really meaning here? Yeah. How do, how do we how do we incorporate that like attention grabber of being a good communicator yeah. with this concept of being quick to the text? No, that's good. Uh, so I, I think yeah, I, I don't think you can fix the flaw of not being quick to the text by just reading the scripture first. Okay. So I, I think the thing that we would want to start with first of being quick to the text is first in your study. Like, what is the first thing that you grab quickly as you are preparing? I think for a lot of us, uh, I, I'm a big fan of sermon series. I think there's a, a cultural move to teach in blocks or chunks of material. But I think sometimes that work has left us 
adding verses in later, like seasoning, instead of seizing, instead of seeing scripture as the meat that we might right. season with other things. And so I think there's a little bit of that plate mentality of like, where does scripture sit? And so as we're preparing, um, it's summertime, so I'm out here smoking meats. Uh, I think we need to think first and foremost of how quickly the text is brought that we're going to make sense of it in a sermon form yeah. as opposed to what scriptures might fit my sermon idea. Well, and that is, that's a careful, it's yeah. a careful, I mean, it, it seems small, but I think that perspective shift is where I would want to start of being quick to the text of like, this is, okay, we are in Lamentations. What does it even say? And then figure out what I'm going to say because of what it says. One of the One of the quotes that I heard a while back that's always stuck with me is, um, allow content to drive creativity, not creativity to drive okay. content. Okay. And I think that that's really important. Like as we, and it's one of the things that I started doing in, in my preparation of sermon writing is I will write a sermon only with textual uh, meat to it yeah. at the beginning. Like I will, I will figure out, okay, what is this text saying? Where is it going? What's the application from the text? Yeah. And I will write that in my... So my process is always journal, laptop, journal. Okay. And so I will start a sermon by just me and my journal. Yeah. Bible and journal open. Okay. This is the text that I'm teaching through. Because I got with students and even as a campus pastor, our church, we walked verse by verse through scripture anyways. And so we would start by walking through the text. Okay. If we were not to add any of our own, you know, like commentary stories, metaphors, any of that kind of stuff to it, what is that teaching? And so I would do that journal wise. And then once I went to laptop was when I would write out more of that outline and add in, okay, I can tell a personal story here. Connective elements. Here's my transition correct. statements. Yeah. <clears throat> As opposed to just a biblical commentary for, correct. for a lot. And that yeah. was the piece too where I always wanted specifically for us walking through um like when I was at Summit, we were we were walking through all of Luke. Mm. And so we're they're in Luke for a long time. And so you don't want to negate any of the Old Testament. So you have to really start thinking through, like, Pulling okay, how do I pull in other, you know, passages of Scripture to where this is a balanced sermon, our people are getting a representation of all of Scripture? Because you could come to our church and just be in Luke for three years. Yeah. Um, and, and so— All we, the Bible nerds rejoiced. They're like, of course! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> But I think to not have any other scriptures from any place else is a little bit of a miss as well. Yeah. Well, because again, it, it is a larger canon, and part of the work is weaving the tapestry of scripture, Correct. right? Like it's how do you use the whole library of scripture? It's not just like an analysis of this work. I mean, we might in seminary classes do the textual analysis of like, you know, the letter of Jude. Like, let's right. break it down for its parts and composition. But as you're preaching and teaching, you're wanting to draw into the larger study of Scripture, the larger story, the hermeneutical lens of seeing things through, you know, Christ at play in the Scriptures. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think there's got to be a safeguard. I think that's why for most folks, there is a little bit of an expositional rebuff of like, well, if I stay verse to verse, then I'll always start verse to verse. Right. I think you can be very textually driven in a topical series yeah. 
if you will be quick to the text in your preparation. And so I think that's one of the things I would encourage all of our youth pastor friends, young preachers, is that you would start early enough. I think that's probably the thing behind the thing is you're starting early enough that you've allowed time for Scripture to speak first to you in a way that you would find things that you would want your students to hear. I think a lot of us pastor our people with things to say, but we often end up at moments writing sermons based on what we want them to hear and finding scriptural justification for it, instead of allowing ourselves to be transformed by the reading and the study of scripture. And that keeps us fresh to the task and also keeps our messaging fresh to our people if the scripture is still alive and working within us. Sure. Well, because I think so many times we get, if let's be honest, right? Like, Sometimes we have our little agendas, yeah. right? Like, and, and they may be healthy agendas of like, okay, my kids are on their cell phones too much, yeah. right? And so it's like, I want to have a series on the danger of your cell phone. Right. Well, it's hard to find cell phone verses in scripture. You know right, what I mean? Right. Uh, I mean, sure, they were all on Nokia bricks back then, <laughs> right? But. <laughs> the concept Cast your net phone to the other <laughs> side of the boat. Yeah. The concept of the disciples just constantly playing. Let he snake. without well, let he without the first phone cast the first stone. Yeah, yeah. Right. But but what happens in that process though is you then start trying to piecemeal scriptures together yeah. to fit some agenda. Yeah. Which I think I think some time and thought of going, okay, what is what what's the deeper thing here that I'm really talking about? Yeah, that's beyond the surface of just a cell phone, right? And and talking through whatever that may look like, but then examining scripture and allowing students to realize because you will have students in the room that aren't addicted to their cell phone, right? Or maybe you have one student that's not addicted. <laughs> He's in seventh cell. grade; he doesn't have one yet, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's probably something else in his life that has become an idol. Yeah. Um, and so being able to talk to it in Oh, that and now if we're in idols, I know exactly where. Correct. Yeah. And, and again, that's that's some of the the way in which the scripture flows, uh, but would really want to encourage those with a pastoral leaning uh, to let scripture be alive and active enough that it's transforming your own mindset, re- renewing of your own mind and renewing of your own commitment, um, because that stuff is in there. And I think sometimes we just need to be comfortable with the applications that come as opposed to justifying applications by, you know, hunting, searching and finding the scriptures that we need to justify them. Like it's okay to look at your students and be like, your attention is divided and we want to be prayerful and attentive. And that's why our phones are off. We don't have to imagine some like, we're going to rebuild the Nehemiah wall, like brick by brick, Nokia brick by brick right. or whatever. Like that's, you don't have to create a metaphor just to tell them, to call them out, to pastor them up. And so. Well, and I think too, part of getting to the text quick, <clears throat> I, I'm a believer that Jesus should have a place in every sermon that yeah, I preach. Right. And so I think part of this idea of getting to the text quick, I believe that Jesus is the word, right? Yeah. Like, that that it is a representation of who Jesus is. And so as we teach, no matter what that topic would be, would come to Jesus Christ as central yeah. uh as some element. And, and so I think as we think through writing sermons, it's it's in that way. One of the one of the things that I see a lot of young pre- preachers do, or even ones that 
can I say less effective? I, 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 I think so. that's I harsh. I, I, I don't want it to sound that way, but ones that maybe struggle a little yeah. bit more, um, they want to teach absolutely everything. Yeah, that's hard that's at hard. all times, right? Yeah. And there is always a chopping block piece of it. Sermons are editorial. Yes. I mean, let, let's let's be real. Like, you can't say it all. And so you're going to be editorial about what you get to say and not say, uh, which is what we'll get to next week when we talk about the importance of response. Uh, but yeah, there, there is some... some so there's some stuff left on the chopping room, cutting room floor. Yes. Well, and, and it's like, and I get that pressure. I get that feeling like you want to be, you want to be true to the text. And yes, right. Um, but for me to teach any part of Romans, to have to like give this like contextual breakdown of like who these Romans were and the fact that you know, all the Jewish people were driven out of Rome and now yeah. they're coming back and we have this tension inside of the Roman church and, you know, Paul... Well, what about exile, right? Right, yeah, yeah. And we're, <laughs> we're teaching through all this and, and, you know what I mean, all of these different pieces for the book of Romans or whatever it may look like, like you as the seminary grad feel like it's most important yeah. because it was this like light bulb moment for you. But for the student, it may just be... What does it look like for me to like um, offer my body as a living sacrifice, right, right in Romans twelve? Right. And so I get the fact that it's like, yes, we want to be textually accurate. Yeah. We want our students to have this foundation to understand how to read scripture for themselves. But this, hopefully, it's not the last sermon that you will ever teach to them, right? Yeah. Like. There, you've got to begin to look at your sermon specifically in if these are your students that you see every week. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to do it all. Yeah, and I think that that's why some of some youth pastors are out here hanging fifty-five minute sermons on a seven, you know, a seventh grader right. who's who's done. Right, like he is seventeen minutes in, they're done, and we're just wondering why forty-two minutes later they haven't rallied. Yeah, right. It's like, (laughs) you know, and you're sitting there going, "Well, this is good stuff," and it is. It's too much. It is too much. Yeah, and and so being able to realize, like, for every youth pastor that is like, "Well, I can't preach less than forty minutes," you're not preaching less than forty minutes. Right. You're preaching less than 40 minutes because you think that this is the only sermon you're teaching. It, it's the blessing of being the house band. So right. in another life, when I played music a lot, it was really fun um, to be in churches as the band, as opposed to being the D-Now band. Because when you're the the house band, when you're the worship team that's always on rotation, you get to know those that you're leading. And that's really, I think, the, the shift of... it. There's a lot of preaching. It's a rarer gift to pastor, right. and I think that you know the proclaim you know on on a you know camp stage or an evangelistic weekend or a dean now is is good and important and faithful, but to continually teach 
preach and have callbacks, right? Like, so from our callbacks to our last episode of like the gift of public speaking, to be endeared enough to an audience to refer back, they won't have all been there, but some of the people in the room will have still remembered what you said before. And in the same way you're doing the scriptural work of pulling pieces together, yeah. so can you trust that what you said a few weeks ago, like this is the reason that I think the sermon series thing might be powerful, is that you will have some folks that will be there different each week, but there will be others who are not, and you can build a stronger appeal to pull yeah. those things together with them and for them. Uh, yeah, I think I think the youth pastors got to start looking at their teaching time not in the week, like time frame, but more in the year time frame. Yes. What What is our plan for the year? What are we covering this year? Like I know a lot of youth pastors. If I were to tell you twenty minutes, yeah. your sermon needs to be twenty minutes. I'm not. That's not hard in stone, right? Yeah. But I'm giving you an example. I think 20 minutes is a probably pretty good youth That's sermon. a good round number. Yeah, yeah. But 20 minutes, for a lot of people, it's like, well, that's not enough time. But if I were to, if I were to tell you 16 hours, yeah, you're going you're to teach for 16 hours. That's a lecture series. That's a long time, yeah. right? Well, 20 minutes for 50 weeks out of the year is 16.6 hours yeah. of time. yeah. And and so, like, if you start thinking through, okay, what am I going to say to these students over 16 hours of time? I think that starts to give you a better scope. Okay, now I feel like I do have time that I can spend an entire week talking about context yeah. to set everything up, Yeah. right? Okay, I can just focus on this one single idea this week yeah. because I'm going to cover the other one next week. Yeah. And you can break it up in that way. You're hitting quick to the text for your students, but you're not wearing them out, all of these kind of things. But there is the other part of not just quick to the study and quick to our own learning uh, plan teaching year. And that is inside the scope of the 20 to 22 minutes that you're teaching on a weekly basis. I think for a lot of folks, they had a story they wanted to tell, mm. and the scripture comes later. Yep. Uh, to what you shared at the beginning of our time, I think... The, whatever the first thing you're saying is, is to build intrigue for the text that you are about to present. Um, I really think in the lives of students who we have a general concern for their biblical literacy is that they have got to see the words of Scripture and hear the words of Scripture as they receive the words of Scripture. And I think it's important or incumbent upon us that we present Scripture in a, an appropriate chunk to them early in our message. Um, I, I think a lot of us will reference verses, but I think as often as you can and as often as it fits to make sure that whatever the intrigue you set up and built— yep gets you immediately to the presentation of the hearing of the word. That's that it's like the most New Testament practice that we can have from the letters that were exchanged. They were read to audiences of 20, 30, 70 folks. And those folks heard the word and then discussed it. And so if you would just do that, if you would just set the intrigue inside of a couple minutes to read the scripture and then analyze and apply, I think at some level that rubric would be really helpful for students that are grappling with the sense, scope, and structure of scripture. That's good. I think one of the things, if I could go back and change for myself in student ministry that I think I would have focused a little bit more on would be... From the time we open the doors to the time we leave, 
to think through the entire thing as a big sermon. I I think sometimes we think about it in only the like time that we get up and talk and not weaving it through. Like students' attention span is becoming smaller and smaller. And instead of trying to fight that, I think there's ways to lean into it. I think that there's ways to like even incorporate space of like, Putting the scriptures that on you're, the screen on, on the, the screen. screen, but I'm even talking about like throughout your room or your space, yeah. right? Like incorporating scriptures that you're not going to use, but are related, but are related that students are going to see. That's how they take in stuff right now, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it is the scrolling mentality. Information comes to them, and so the ability to have it on the door that they're reading it because they'll read it. Yeah. Right. If it's new there, they're going to read it. Like, what is that doing? What is that saying? Like placing it in interesting spaces, thinking through like, what is the music playlist that we're going to have? Not even like on the band, on the, on the stage, the pre-list, pre-list that is talking about those kind of things, themes, the Psalms, the whatever. Right. And like, we're incorporating it in that way that, that we utilize space in between songs to, to place a scripture that isn't just tied with the song that they're about to sing, yeah. but in this overall like thoughtfulness of what we're talking about in this series and incorporating it in places and times like that to incorporate the fun video. Like the fun video doesn't have to be the, – the fun teaching video, I mean, doesn't have to be in the middle, middle of your sermon. It could be after the first song, yeah. Or, Zach – it could be the thing 30 minutes after you dismiss you send out that gets texted out yeah. to everybody right that's a follow up man yeah. like the next morning when when you've challenged them at the end of your message to go make disciples in their schools bro thursday morning should have a video in their text box reminding them of that like we're not communicating in just one hour a week if we're utilizing all of our space throughout the week. That's good. That's good. Well, that's part two for our art of communicating. So it's the structure and composition of what we present or preach, but one of the unique qualifiers of what it means to be a sermon is to be quick to the text. So our invitation to you is in this next week, series of weeks, this summer, every chance you get the opportunity to teach and however that becomes a thing, in what ways were you as quick to the text as you could be?